You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sullen Radio Weekly. I'm Joe Swanson. This episode is brought to you by Sullen Clothing, Kingpin Tattoo Supply, and Inky's Tattoo Products. You can check out the show's website at sullenradio.com. For info on artwork, show updates, and if you'd like to get tattooed by me, you can please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at OG Joe Swanson. I'm Joe Swanson. This is Sullen Radio Weekly, and I hope you enjoy my talk with tattooer Paulo Acuna. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Joe Swanson. Welcome to Sullen Radio. My guest is Paulo Acuna. How are you doing, man? Doing great. How are you doing? Man, I, I'm doing really good. I had a fun, ta- fun day tattooing, and um, it was excited to come and talk to you tonight and we had a good conversation at the Palm Springs show, man. What a fun show that was. I'm, uh, I had a great time there. And one of the, one of the fun conversations that I had was with you, man. And it was, it was fun to hear about not only your, your tattooing, but also the other things that you have going on. And, and, uh, I'm excited to sit down and and chat with you, man, for sure. Awesome. Me too. So what, um, for, for people that don't know, maybe or aren't familiar with your work, to, where are you located at? And, and talk a little bit about um, how you got to that place. Yeah, I'm in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I've had my shop out here for about 13 years now. And uh, I was just coming out here and uh, working with my cousin Q, actually, uh, maybe like 15 years ago. Uh, we were doing work in, in people's homes and whatnot, and uh, I was tattooing out of California at the time, and I realized that I could probably open a shop out here in Phoenix and, you know, have a little bit better luck than trying to open something in California, so mm-hmm. I decided to give it a shot, and uh, that's about it. That's how I got out here. I'm not really from out here or anything like that, but it's been really good to me. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody today at the shop about you know, those guys, you see those guys, you've had your shop 13 years, you know, just over a decade, you drop, those guys would drop into, into towns, you know, shop owners, people that I know, friends of mine, and they just settled into that community and their shops are still thriving. And it's cool to see that, you know, artists committing long periods of their career in one spot and just fostering those relationships with their clients and really getting into where they're at. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my clientele is amazing, man. Do they tend Very to... Very grateful to have... Sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. You broke up a little bit. Do they? Does your clientele tend to um, drive the projects, or do you like to drive more of the artwork, and, and your clients are able to kind of know that and come to you for for what you're putting out, or do, do you like to collaborate? Uh, I try and, and have control as much as I can. You know, we don't always get to, obviously, right? But, right. Um, but for the most part, I try as much as I can. This is a pretty uh, tattoo-friendly town. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, accepted here, and people like to flaunt their work. And so, But with that also, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, adding to existing work or working next to existing work and a lot of that sometimes. So you just got to deal with that though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that comes with that every place, you know, every shop or or if you sit, you're sitting long enough, you're gonna, you're gonna find that people are coming in with, with, yeah, you're like you said, existing or, um, you're working right up against somebody else's stuff. And, um, that, that comes with the territory. I do a lot of cover-ups. I do a lot of cover-ups, man. Yeah. Yeah, the people are getting smarter, I think, about and and knowing, not not necessarily smarter, but they're more educated about what they can get these days. And I think that they're seeing this work that was maybe that they had on themselves from years back, and they're they're like, man, I you know, I see what I can get now, and and uh, there's so many cover ups being done. You know, I mean, shit, Big Gus has, yeah. ha, you know, Big Gus has tattoo nightmares, which is a show about them. You know, my buddy Jeremy Swan had a. A show on TLC about cover-ups. It's people want that. Yeah, 
for sure. What do you what do you find is your your clientele is is um is it is it a lot of local folks or is it people flying in to see you or um what what have a little you of everything mm-hmm. um yeah a lot of people from here obviously but then uh, I do have lucky to have people that travel in from uh, out of state and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Canadians we have a lot of Canadians that come here for the weather and um, you know they. They uh, they'll look at the shops online before they get here. So I do have a large Canadian clientele, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Wow, that's interesting. You have man, I'm just browsing over your Instagram, and you have such a a unique and wild, diverse style, man. You're really good at a mm-hmm. lot of different things, um, and your I mean your paintings and and sculptures, man, so dope, dude. It's really awesome stuff. Oh, thanks a lot. What do you like to work in, man? Mostly, I mean, I guess I suppose it is dictated by the project. But if you're, uh, what are you into these days? I'm all over the board, man. I, that's how I've always been. You know, I've I've actually been painting and sculpting longer than I've been tattooing, and I've I've been tattooing about seventeen years now, eighteen years. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I've always jumped around to all three. I just kind of juggle them all around constantly, and that's. That's what keeps me happy, really. I can't. If I do one for too long, I start getting burnt out, and I need to jump to something else. So I'm just constantly juggling sculpture, painting, and tattooing. Mm-hmm. That's a that's got to be a tough balance, man. You know, there. Do you find them different, or do you find that your process is kind of the same, or what is it like for you? Uh, to switch I mean, up? they're different. Yeah, they're different. And then within each one, um, there's different applications and styles within each medium you know like within sculpture there's different approaches different mediums i work with in sculpture like you know from clay to stone to metal all those things i mean if you if you look on that that instagram there's some metal sculpture there's some marble carvings and then there's clay work and all those are different tools different applications different thought process yeah and same with painting you know there's uh there's a la prima style paintings, and then there's long, drawn-out glaze style paintings, and, you know, just different styles of paintings. Mm-hmm. What what drew you initially? I mean, you're so, you're you're really good at a lot of different types of art. What drew you to tattooing? Oh, I was getting tattooed when I was a kid, and uh, eventually I, I met some uh, people that had some really nice work on them and I asked them where they got it and uh, this was in Alaska believe it or not that's where no I started that. yeah what were you doing and, up there? Uh, I was working at a I was working at a rock climbing uh, gym and guiding people rock climbing and stuff indoor and outdoor we would take them outside climbing and I would teach indoor climbing and put up the climbs and stuff and awesome anyway these, like these multi people started coming yeah, these guys started coming in there, and they had amazing work on them by uh, John Dutchman. You ever heard of the Dutchman in Canada? Yeah. Uh-huh. He's old school, you know. Anyways, these guys had work from him on them, and this was back in, uh, you know, pre-2000s. Uh, so yeah. just that kind of big body work, you'd, you'd never see it anywhere back then, you know. And so I was blown away, and... I asked them where they got their work done, and they'd gotten it in Canada, but they actually worked at a shop there in, in Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, and I, I told them I was an artist, and I was interested in, you know, possibly checking out tattooing, and they told me to come down to the shop and talk to the boss, so I did, and he, the boss asked me to bring down some artwork, and at the time, I was doing a lot of sculpture and painting there in Alaska, doing a lot of, like, wildlife sculpture, like bears and uh, Native Americans and eagles and things like that for galleries. Uh, I was carving whalebone, ivory, soapstone, uh, mammoth tusk, just different mediums, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, so I brought all this stuff down to the tattoo shop and showed the boss there, and, and he dug it. You know, he thought it was all pretty cool and offered me an apprenticeship, and that's kind of how it started. Dang, man. How, how was that learning the art of tattooing then going into having done these other mediums applying what you kind of learned pretty pretty easy honestly because of just being used to using a lot of little tools and whatnot you know i've done a lot of scrimshaw and little carving with power tools you know it was just 
always holding a tool basically and doing something with the tool with, with a bit on the end of it or something, you know, so it felt really natural mm-hmm. to move into tattooing, but I did have a very strict apprenticeship. I mean, that shop where I apprenticed that, um, opened in 1973 and the same guy owns it and runs it still today. He's retired, but his son runs it now. So, I mean, this shop is just very traditional, very old school. And, uh, Larry Allen was the name of this guy and he had already been tattooing, you know, 40 some years at this time. So they really put me through the ringer as far as checking my ego and, uh, a lot of things like that taught me a lot about tattoo, you know, just tattoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of stuff. It's. I think it's important to have that. You know, I think it's. Um, Absolutely. You know, obviously, you you know you you're applying those lessons that you've learned in in that apprenticeship and all throughout your art career. You know, doing the doing the sculpture and um, man, you're you're producing wonderful work. You've done a bunch of shirts or a couple shirts for Sullen. Um, talk about some of those projects and how they came about. What's that? How did you make that sullen connection? Um, I just reached out and shot uh, Ryan an email one day, and uh, I just sent him a bunch of artwork. I think we've done four shirts now, mm-hmm. and um, and man, it's just it's just a lot of fun. And the first the first couple, I just sent him some artwork that I had uh, already, and then um, and then the second two were actually almost designed, you know, for Solon projects that, yeah. that Solon had called for entries, you know, and asked us to submit pieces for, uh, like the Solon badge was, uh, probably the most successful one I've had. And, um, that was, you know, they asked us to do, uh, something containing the badge. So that was challenging just to, to try and think of that and, uh, to think of how to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Was, was kind of challenging and really fun. And I really enjoy doing it. I'm constantly trying to think of new things to do. You know? Yeah. it's It's got to be fun to be pushed by these different mediums. You know, one is, I'm sure one pushes the other. And seeing all the amazing, uh, other amazing stolen artists, you know, geez, mm. all these shirts that come out, man, it's just mind-blowing. <laughs> and it just... Um, inspires me to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Who who were some of your early tattoo influences? I mean, very, very well, um, you know, you, you really early. Just... I'd say like John the Dutchman in Canada, Philip Lou, uh, people like that, yeah. you know, um, those kind of old school dudes who, uh, who really changed the industry. And then, uh, you know, Robert Hernandez, uh, later on, like Victor Portugal and those guys. A lot of European guys. Um, I traveled to Europe a lot uh, early in my career and was influenced by that style, that kind of that Euro-Asian style, that bodysuit style. You know, mm-hmm. I still kind of cling to that, you know. Like, just thinking of work in, like, a bodysuit type aspect, um, I, I'm just drawn to that. Yeah, it's it's amazing, man. I mean, you mentioned Philip Lou. That's that's a guy whose work is so phenomenal. I, I was introduced to it very early on in my career as well, and blown away by you know the body of his body of his work and that yeah. style, man. It's so killer. You know, I remember those seeing yeah. those um, big you know Tibetan masks and and yeah. skulls and shit that he would do, man. Just so killer. Yeah. I know, I know. I mean, his skulls still stand their ground today, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw, man, Crazy. that that one bodysuit he did that was just all water and rocks, too. Like, the whole thing. Yeah. It's just, the whole thing is just water and rocks, and it's still just so good. Yeah. So, um, now, I was having a conversation out um, when we were at Palm Springs, and... I, this, I'm excited to talk to you about this kind of shit. You are, um, I was talking with Haley in the booth, and she said you are into fitness, working out. You've been into a bunch of different stuff like that. How did you get into fitness, and um, what kind of shit are you into? I know you were about to take a, a hike the next morning, which didn't happen um, at, in Palm Springs, but what kind of stuff are you doing day-to-day, and 
And I mean, is that something that you've done for a long time? Yeah, yeah. I've, like I said, I, you know, I used to uh, I used to guide uh, climbing and whatnot. And you know, I spent my adolescence in Alaska. So uh, when I was a kid, man, we just we were doing stuff outside up there, out in the wilderness, you know, basically. Uh-huh. So um, snowboarding, mountain biking, rock climbing, all that stuff, fishing, um, you name it, you know. Um, we were out there doing it, and it was a really great way to uh, grow up, you know. And I've just always carried that with me. It's been a part of my life. I used to compete uh, in a lot of those things as well, and it's just a part of my life, and uh, I, I guess I can apply the same sort of mental focus I try to apply to art as to, um, you know, sports and athletics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that same type of focus to push yourself. Um, and I almost need the exercise and, uh, and athletic stuff to keep me sane. If I don't have that, I'll go crazy. I know. Like I, I need to feel, I need to feel fit and strong, you know, and it releases endorphins and, you know, I mean, you, you look like a pretty fit guy yourself. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I try, you know, I, I definitely feel that same way, you know, that it releases something. I mean, it takes care of something for me, you know, to go and put myself through a difficult workout and, or, or a difficult situation where my body is physically, whether it's been, you know, probably the two places that I found it the most, um, the best for me, the two different things that I've done has been jujitsu and CrossFit. And that those two things have kept me, kept me mentally focused and, you know, cause you're not just working on the physical part of it. You're working on technique and you're working, you know, through this, this mental thing. And it's definitely yeah. something that I, that I love, you know, jujitsu is something that I miss. I, 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 I oftentimes think about getting back into it and, and finding, uh, mm-hmm. you know, going for it again, man. I, I just, I always loved that. Yeah. Yeah. I've done both of those as well. And, uh, you know, I agree, man. I did, uh, I did more judo and, uh, grappling, just straight up grappling. Uh, but, uh, and I did do CrossFit for a couple of years out here, man. And I loved it, but, uh, I was getting hurt. Yeah. I was getting hurt much in CrossFit just because it's so competitive, you know, even, even just at the gym. Yeah. I, you know, I find that I'm I'm competitive, but I'm at a point now where I just want to stay fit. I want to stay in shape. I'm not worried about what the next guy's doing. I just want to make sure that I'm pushing myself. I've been through enough workouts and done enough stuff that I know if I'm pushing myself or if I'm pushing out, you know. <laughs> so I can, yeah. um what I'll do is we used to go to a CrossFit gym here in town and um, you know, I learned all the movements and I've been at CrossFit for a number of years before that too at different places and we learn the movements and we take them to our gym here in town. And, and, uh, I put myself through workouts. I've been mixing in more like battle ropes and different shit like that. I've been trying kind of getting bored with the movements from CrossFit. I mean, I, I think that they're really good. Yeah. I probably will jump on a deadlift program here pretty soon, but, um, right. I did. I 100% agree, man, that staying active and does something to, balance me the fuck out <laughs> oh hell yeah so um you know i i used to rock climb too i was going to ask you about that like when you guided oh, you? when you guided were you doing like multi-pitch stuff or was it more sports stuff or yeah we, were you we doing? used to do a little everything i was mainly a sport dude but um but you know i've done a little of everything i've climbed ice uh, waterfall ice glacier ice i've done some mountaineering i've done some big wall multi-pitch stuff um, and different types, you know, sandstone, granite, limestone. But I was mainly into sport climbing and uh, just trying to push the, the you know, the envelope there. That was, I like the acrobatics of sport climbing, and I liked really the steep, overhung limestone. It was like kind of my favorite. Like we used to go to Thailand. We went over there a couple times, and uh, just go seek out the steepest, most overhung limestone we could find. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. What is that like? What's that? What's that like over there? Climbing in that environment? It's I assume it's super hot uh, and 
A lot of the climbing you can't even drive to. You know, you, they're in these remote villages where you, you have to take a long tail boat out to even get there. No shit. And it's basically these climbing communities. It's, they're climbing meccas. And so when you get there, you're in the middle of nowhere, but then all of a sudden you get there and there's all kinds of climbers from all over the world just basically pulling down out in the middle of nowhere in the jungle, you know, on these huge overhung limestone cliffs. Wow. And there's whole villages set up to support it, you know, so they have bars and nightclubs and all the drugs you could imagine. And, I mean, everything's right there at your disposal. So it's pretty amazing, really. That's awesome, man. What what year were you doing that? Oh, that was uh, right when I started tattooing. I was still way heavily into climbing. And uh, I, I, re- I really just recently kind of stopped climbing because, again, I was getting hurt and uh, I was hurting my hands. Mm. And uh, so I had to start being careful. I, I'd suffered a few hand injuries in the last few years kind of from pushing myself in these things um, and too much, too much basically tattooing right. and too much like marble carving and just too much power tools basically. Right. And on top of that, I was doing like uh, Spartan races and those kinds of things <laughs> like uh, those crazy, uh, you know, endurance races. Uh-huh. But a lot of them are intensive, you know, you got to like haul rocks and stuff. And uh, I, I, I hurt my hand really bad in a Spartan race, actually. And, uh, I mean, I had to take, like, six months off of tattooing. I blew a tendon in my finger in, in the, the hand that I hold the machine with. Oof. How do you balance that, yeah, man? Because that's bad. like, you know, it's it's you have this drive. Obviously, you have this drive to do some of these more extreme things and, and push your body to its to its limit. But then mm-hmm. there's that that responsible side that says, well, I, I still need to work. I still need to operate. And how do you, yeah. ba- man, that's got to be a, a difficult balance to, uh, to get through. That's now I'm definitely more cautious after being hurt a few times. And, uh, you know, it's, it's put me on the bench a few times with tattooing. Right. Um, so I've healed myself luckily and I'm back to tattooing, but there's been a couple times where, I broke my hand, the same hand. I broke my hand a couple years ago running down a mountain. And I just, it was, it was something that I didn't even know I broke my hand when I broke it. And that's how, uh, that's actually what made it worse is I fell while running down a mountain. And then I went and tattooed that day for like nine hours. And, oh my God. You know, my hand hurt, but I was just like, ah, you know, no big deal. It's a sprain. And it wasn't until like four weeks later, you know, I finally went and saw a doctor and they were like, yeah, dude, your hand's broke. And, uh, Damn. so, you know, I had to take, I had to take like six, eight months off then too from tattooing. And wow. so I've just kind of learned and now I'm, uh, I, I am more cautious, but you know, it's kind of one of those things sometimes when you play outdoors or any sport, really, I mean, sometimes you fall down. Inky's Tattoo Products gives you more than one choice for your tattoo aftercare. We all know that every person's skin and every tattoo heals differently. Inkies wants you to have the choice to find the right aftercare that works best for you. Whether you choose a daily moisturizer, a healing spray, the green glide ointment, or a healing cream, Inkies has you covered. Get your next aftercare products from Inkies.com. No matter what you choose to order, use the promo code SullenRadio and receive a free sample pack of Inkies products. Numb, heal, and protect with Inkies tattoo products. Make your order now at Inkies.com. What kind of, uh, what stuff are you into heavily right now to keep yourself active and fit and what's... Right what? now I'm doing a lot of, uh, mountain biking. Um, I do a lot of yoga. I love yoga, man. Do you do any yoga? I've done a little bit of yoga. I do like it, man. It's one of the most difficult things that I found because I lack in, or let's say, let's, let me put that differently. I'm working on my flexibility <laughs> and uh-huh. it's, uh... It is something that's difficult for me, but I love it. I do like yoga. So you've been doing, have you, you've been doing that recently? I've been doing that for about 12 years. Oh, shit. And uh, that's always a, it's a constant, you know, I keep that up pretty good. But, you know, yoga is like uh, music or tattooing. You really got to look around and find the kind that is good for you Mm because you can't just generalize yoga and call it yoga and, and assume that all of it is like that. There's so many different styles and so many, there's good teachers and bad teachers and good studios and shitty studios. And so you really got to go and do a lot of yoga at a lot of different places and find what 
what is for you. It's like mm-hmm. CrossFit, you know, different CrossFit places. They're all different. Yeah. Uh, same, you know, same with yoga. It's not more because there's more yoga studios um, and more yoga teachers. So yeah. you really got to find what's right for you. But um, there's a there's a huge mental aspect to it. You know, a lot of it is focusing on uh, on your, your mental state, basically, during these poses. So I like that about it. There's a spiritual aspect to it, and then there's a physical aspect to it. So it's pretty much all-encompassing. Yeah, that's it, it, is, uh, it is that, for sure. I mean, it definitely takes you into the moment when you're, when you're struggling. I've done a little bit of um, uh, Bikram. I've gone to some Bikram yoga, yoga studios here in town. And mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, I think it was Pranayama or something like that. Uh, yoga. Oh yeah. It was just out of a book I had, and and um, talked a lot about breathing and and stuff yep. like that. I mean that that plays such a. I mean it to me, it's playing a more important role my breathing lately because I've I kept noticing that I was feeling not stressed, but just you'd feel kind of I'd feel built up, and I would have to just breathe. And I realized, man, I'm taking shallow breaths, and that was what it was. And I just started monitoring that more recently and just taking a lot deeper breaths and um man that's yeah. huge it's it's helped yeah. me immensely absolutely yeah so um mountain biking what's uh what's the best stuff out where you're at to uh well there's just really good mountain biking out here um pretty much everywhere so you just leave your front door really you know <laughs> Arizona is one big rock so yeah yeah, you climb. Yeah, it's great. I'm biking out here, so I'm training for a race I'm doing uh, next year. I haven't I haven't competed in you know cycling in years, but mm-hmm. uh, I just decided to do this race next year. It's up north in Prescott, so I'm kind of training for that. Very cool. What's that race going to involve? It's a it's a 50 mile race, and uh, it's in the mountain. It's a pro it's a pro amateur race, so a lot of pros come and do it got a really big purse there's a fifty thousand dollar purse for the pros obviously i'm not a pro but you race alongside the pros so it's kind of cool yeah that's awesome and, uh, i'm almost in the old guy category you know i only got a couple more years and i'll be in the old dude category so <laughs> i'm just lucky to be out there really that's great man you know what kind of terrain are they does it does it go over a, a bit of different terrain or is it what's the course like it's up in the it's up in the mountains up there, so it's it's pretty much up and down the whole time. Man, what are you and doing? It's at elevation, it's at like um, over six thousand five hundred feet elevation, and climbs up even higher. So, you know, the air's a little thinner up there. Are you taking that into account during your training, using any kind of tools to to help you with that, or? Or are you just gonna? I go up there a lot, actually, where the where the race is, and I go right up there where the air is thin. Okay, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's great, man. Have you ever done any um, adventure racing or that that kind of the multi day stuff? No, not the multi day stuff. No, just the just the one day stuff. Like yeah, Spartan race is really fun. I don't know if you ever get a chance to do that. What's you like CrossFit stuff like that? You dig that. No kidding. What's that? Talk. Tell me about that, because like the the stuff that I'm familiar with was you know from back the the eco challenge and stuff like that that they would go on. There's this um, other race that's super interesting. A great book called um, "The Surviving the Toughest Race on Earth" was about this um, race called the Raid Guluaze and multi day gnarly gnarly adventure race and. Oh yeah, um, but what's the Spartan stuff like? Spartan stuff's just kind of one day stuff. So it, and it's cool. They have different length races. Um, I, they have like three or four different Spartan races, and um, you know they vary in length um, from five to six miles to I think they have like an eight and then a twelve mile one. Wow. And um, and then they're full of obstacles, so you run like you know twelve miles basically, but through that. 12 miles or five miles or whatever it's littered with obstacles whether it be rope climbing or um carrying a an atlas boulder across the field or uh another one they had was uh, we had to drag these cement blocks up a hill like with chains 
and you know the cement block probably weighed like 80 pounds wow um uh, just like that as you're running the course uh and then they have like barbed wire and mud and that you got to crawl under the barbed wire and you, it's basically a race and you're racing with like 500 people or a thousand people or whatever they do it over three days usually and you just race one day <laughs> that's but cool. it's pretty fun sounds it sounds awesome man sounds awesome yeah it's pretty fun and uh they got dudes in there that, that try and tackle you even <laughs> part way through the race it's wow. kind of cool <laughs> that's so cool man so what's uh, what's some of the what's some of the crazy is that some of the craziest stuff you've done to stay stay in shape or craziest experiences you've had doing some of these extreme things I can, you know you're talking about snowboarding and and some of that stuff i've had some wild yeah, times I'd snowboarding yeah probably more the snowboarding and the rock climbing i was i was younger and i did push it a little bit more <laughs> and was put in situations that were uh, a little bit more dangerous you know i don't even get myself in those types of situations anymore you know i've done a few climbs that were just absolutely terrifying you know some multi pitch stuff and uh uh, we used to snowboard a lot in the backcountry in Alaska, um, so not necessarily at resorts, you know. We'd, right. we'd hike all day. We'd hike all day and, uh, you know, come down the backside of a mountain or whatever. And, you know, a lot of times there was avalanches. Right. So, you know, sometimes you're snowboarding basically in front of an avalanche or there's one coming behind you. And that was pretty regular. I had friends taken down by avalanches and whatnot. Nobody ever killed, but you know, definitely swept away. And um, so some of that stuff was pretty dangerous. But I, like I said, I don't really, I don't really try and put myself in those types of situations anymore. Wow, man, that's, that is intense to put yourself regularly in a situation where you're, you know, dealing with an avalanche that's so, so tricky. You know, that's where you guys, did you guys have beepers on avalanche beepers, shovels, the whole nine when you were yeah we, we pretty that. much had the whole nine yeah we were set up i mean that's just that's just kind of what we did you know yeah have you ever tried uh have you ever done like any snowmobiling or anything like that i was talking yeah to... yeah we used to do a lot of snowmobiling no kidding yeah the, man i grew up in a little town in minnesota i always had snowmobiles um nothing nothing like alaska man this is we're talking tiny little midwest town um but always rode snowmobiles always had you know shit like four wheelers and three wheelers and mini bikes and shit um but oh, wow. i was That's talking cool. i was talking to this guy um at the shop of i don't know a few months back and he was talking about snowmobiling and getting he was going to get a new sled and uh, i think he he was out in utah but man it sounded so dope the you know some of the stuff that they you know the backcountry stuff that they're doing now with snowmobiles yeah those dudes are crazy in utah man <laughs> yeah that is true. <laughs> that is true. So doing some crazy shit in Utah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So what? What do you do? What you said you do a lot of traveling. What's um? What are the places you like to go, man? Are you staying closer to home these days, or you're constantly on these the move? These days, I have been. Yeah, I've been. I've been sticking around. I'm a. I'm I'm building a, a place up north in the mountains. So I've been focusing on that for about the last four years. I'm. I was. I'm building kind of an off-grid house in the middle of nowhere. Nice. Completely off-grid. Um, so I've been doing that for the last few years, really just focusing my time and energy on that. But before that, yeah, we were traveling a lot. We were doing like 12 conventions a year um, all over the world. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. That sounds But, sounds you know, I, it, it can be exhausting, too, you know, if you do it for a few years straight. Right. What, what do you think the most uh, challenging part of it was? keeping that kind of pace traveling and a lot, uh, a lot of it is the uh getting there part you know just the packing up and uh those flights are super long um and then you got to get to your destination once you're there you know it's just kind of exhausting it's like mm -hmm. a non-stop uh you know packing up and going and then you do the show and then you pack up and go somewhere else and probably work more and you know just do that yeah Did that for like 12 years Wow, that's a that's a hustle, man. A while. <laughs> a lot of I really slowed down on it, though. A lot of lessons learned, though, huh? In those in those twelve years of uh, traveling, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure by the end you had you had your systems and your process down. Oh yeah, yeah. Lessons learned and connections, good connections and networking, and uh, mm -hmm. 
that uh, brings me to uh, something I did want to talk about with the lessons learned and whatnot is uh, as far as equipment and stuff, you know, and uh, our our industry lately, of late, has started to adapt to a lot of these things, but even still, I don't think there's a lot of attention paid to, you know, gear for the traveling tattooer, per se, or ergonomics in general for mm-hmm. the shop and the tattooer in general. And um, these are some things that I've been working on for the last few years, and uh, I'm getting ready to start a company here. I'm, I already started it. It's already legit, but I'm, I haven't launched yet, and I'm, I'm getting ready to launch here any moment now. I'm just working on a few products to start with, but that's my focus is ergonomics for all of us tattooers um, with travel in mind, the shop in mind. These are things that I'm looking at that I think are really important and just stuff, you know, suffering that I've done with tattooing at conventions and just some of the equipment that we have to haul around and, you know, some of the places where we have to set up and work, it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard on our bodies. Our job alone is, hard on our bodies you know the positions we have to hold for so many hours and so i just don't think that enough attention has been paid you know from the industry to that i think you're right all the focus to been on machinery thus far you know inks mm-hmm. or, i mean don't you think absolutely no i think you're 100 percent right and i i think that um i was just talking about this with a client today. You know, we were talking about, um, Jeremy just posted the other day, Sullen, I mean, this is a great transition into talking about this this new product for Sullen 2, which is the X-Form sh- compression shirt. And they, um, right. I'm not super familiar with it, but I just saw Jeremy posted a, on it on his Facebook, and it's um, a shirt that keeps your posture utilizing this new, you know, this X-Form technology and then compression technology, um, it keeps your posture better for when you're either painting, tattooing, um, training. Uh, I was talking to a guy, my client today was, is an avid CrossFitter. And I, you know, talking about doing some of those movements and how important posture is and keeping your shoulders back. And this is something that's exactly for that. And I think that there's a ton of stuff that you can do um, to be more ergonomic with your tattooing and, and do things better. I think it's a huge, it's a huge part of the market. And I think that, man, I'm excited to see the stuff that you're coming out, you're going to be coming out with and, and um, utilize it because at at 40, you know, 40, 41, it's, um, I start to feel it. Uh, on a daily one, yeah. tattooing for hours on end, and uh, I'm trying to get into this one little spot or this one position, and yeah, it takes a toll on the body, man. So it, it's, it does. It's really it exciting. Does. To, anything that you can talk about as far as those products or things that are at a well, point um, or... the company. The company is called Kronos. I started the company, um, and I've got a partner. I partnered up with some people in the medical industry. Um, and they actually, these dudes produce, like, angioplasty stints and, like, super high-tech medical stuff. Mm-hmm. So they've got teams of, like, medical engineers and shit. And uh, I, they, they, I was tattooing one of these dudes' wives. Hmm. And uh, I, I had been making some, some ergonomic stuff for myself in my studio and just talking to, to them about it as I'm tattooing them, basically um sparks an interest in them um and then they approached me about possibly making some of these things so that's kind of how it all started i mean i was trying to make them on my own anyways mm-hmm. but right. uh possibly with the limited budget and and just myself so i actually obtained some financial backing just miraculously really that's it just kind of fell out of the sky in my lap and um these people are really interested so, um, yeah, the company's called Kronos, and uh, we're going to be coming out with uh, a few things. I, I don't want to give anything away just yeah, yet fine. because uh, I, I, I just don't want to even give away my ideas right now because I just find it so ridiculous that, like, you know, some of these things have just been overlooked for mm-hmm. years and years, and it's just like we just get by with what we have, right. you know, when we're tattooing. Right. 
we're so focused on just trying to do a good tattoo and you know you we 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 get great machinery we invest money in our machines we get great inks you know maybe you get a great power supply and then if you notice it kind of starts to trickle down you know you get maybe you get great tubes you know i try and spend try and get the best stuff i can but at some point there's only so much you can even find because just the industry hasn't even come far along far enough along in certain aspects of our industry that um there is just what there is and there could be something better but it's not out yet right and how many things you know think about the process of tattooing all the parts and all the pieces involved in making a tattoo from the stool you sit on to the chair your client sits on to the lamps we use to you know the tubes that you hold the machine with to everything the cords and cables the foot switches i mean it's just endless man mm-hmm. what yeah. could be approached um yeah i just i found myself like i i was just getting frustrated with where tattooing is as far as um the equipment mm-hmm. you know i just found myself a few years ago just getting really frustrated with like all the cords and the equipment that that's out there and i'm just like damn i I need to do something. Yeah. Because other people have to be feeling this too. Absolutely. I think I think it's gonna it's gonna continue to to build and, and people are gonna figure things out and you know, processes are, are already being, you know, looked at, I think. And it's oh, just yeah. a matter of time. You know, it's just a matter of time yeah. that that people tattooers have been connecting and, and advancing their businesses forever since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of time before people start making those connections like you did with outside resources that can bring in not only um, money, but expertise in, in particular areas. And that's awesome, man. I love it because it's only going to make our job easier and, and allow us to tattoo for longer. And um, it's, it's great. Yeah. I'm only trying to do quality, man. I, I, I really only want to do a high end product. It's not going to be cheap. You know, it's not going to be the cheapest mm-hmm. stuff out there. It's going to be, you're going to pay for what you get, basically, just like in a tattoo. And I think that's another problem with our industry. There's too much cheap stuff and not enough good stuff. Um, but it's definitely changing. I mean, the machinery has come so long, uh, such a long ways. I'm just blown away by all the new machinery out there. Now, mm-hmm. I can't even keep up. And I really try and keep up with everything that comes out because, uh, you know, that's something I'll eventually want to get into as well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, what do you think about the, the current state of machinery? I think it's good. I think that, uh, you know, people are trying to push the envelope. You know, there's... Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you liking these days? What are you using? You know what? Today I used Bishop's. I used both um, a, a liner and a shader from Bishop Rotary. Uh, yesterday, last night, I used um, an Axis Rotary from Kingpin. And I've been loving those. Ro- I've been loving those rotaries. Now, that being said, um, and I start, and I'm fucking super hyped on this cartridge system, man. I just got hip to this shit, and I don't know why it took me so long to to jump on this on this uh, this stuff. But man, the cartridges. I again, I use them from Kingpin. They're slot lock needles, and they're disposable tubes. And I'm fucking. I'm loving it, man. You know, it's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really fun. Now I want to, man, I still miss a coil machine sometimes, man. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There is something about it. And, right. Is um, there sometimes where you still feel like, wow, if I was running a coil, I could do this faster. Sometimes. But then there's also those times where I'm like, God, I'm so glad I'm fucking running a rotary. Cause this shit is just packing yeah. this in right now, you know? So it's right. Right. It, it is. What, what about you? What are you using and, and what are you liking? I'm all over the board. You know, I still do use a few, um, I still line with coils. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm using all kinds of rotaries. Like I'll get whatever comes out new, you know, I'll get it and try it. And usually I end up giving it away or selling it. But, uh, <laughs> You know, I haven't been able to make the hawk work for me, and I've tried it a few times. There's a there's a lot of things I don't like about the hawk as far as like the tube system. I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, the whole autoclaving of it and whatnot. I think seems to ruin it. So I don't think a lot of people are autoclaving it because every time I've autoclaved one, it's ruined it. Sure. Um, and it's certain things like that. Uh, I don't like the weight distribution of the hawk machine. 
and the cartridge system from them, I mean, I thought it was ingenious and uh, definitely pushing the industry, but I didn't understand why you would make a cartridge system with only one type of needle when we all use different types of needles for different applications. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing you hear about. You know, you hear about the Hawk and, and Cheyenne company is that they've kind of not pigeonholed themselves, but they've they've definitely you have to use their shit and so um i like that i can throw this cartridge system that i use on any machine i can grab you know any machine that i'm going to use whether it's a coil or a rotary and i can and i can put it together with these tubes and and it's a quality system for me it's it's the best i've used or as good as uh, as the best that i've used and um but yeah man it will be interesting to see how much things grow and even the next you know handful of years i think it's going to be oh yeah it's a super exciting and dynamic time man i think we're going to be it is is. some people are going to be surprised at at how how it grows i think oh yeah man it's snowballed it's snowballing and uh it's growing faster and bigger all the time you know yeah it's only good absolutely i think so i mean i think that people who are who are worried about it or, um, you know, that's something that to, to ask you as well, man, you know, I'm about to go digital. I don't know if you go use digital platforms at all. Um, I'm about to get my hands on a, on a Wacom Cintiq tablet and I'm going to start using it and I, and I'm excited to try it. And I saw a video on Facebook and I don't know if you saw this one where the dude's building the mandala and I read some comments on that man where it was, and it's like an auto, auto feature on he's got to basically build one you know draw one section of the mandala and it recreates it automatically to all the other points of the mandala and Mm. so it's super quick super fast i mean he creates this thing that would um literally in a in a minute video or a two minute video that would take somebody you know i don't know how long it would take you to draw that thing out by hand and are we looking at drawing it out by hand for the sake of just drawing it out by hand, or are we interested in the quality of the final product, which is the tattoo ultimately? Yeah. So if I can use a Wacom Cintiq tablet to create a mandala that's going to be as, you know, and create the most crisp and best stencil to get the greatest end result, which is the hand done tattoo, then I think that mm-hmm. we're dumb not to use that stuff to our advantage, you know? I agree. But that's yeah, just, I haven't. I'm not too tech savvy myself, but uh, you know, I don't see anything wrong with people using it. And eventually, I would probably jump on that too. Yeah, I, I mean, there's. I'm. Um, I've seen. You know, my buddies. I've talked about a couple of my buddies. You know, who use them and love them, and they use them for different, a handful of different pro. You know, types of tattooing, whether it's portraits or or traditional stuff like i do more you know bold lines and and more tradition western traditional influence stuff um Mm. but it's man you know i still think that there's a valid use for me as as more of a street shop guy that's you know doing more custom stuff now i find like man i wanna i wanna use this so i can this new technology is going to make shit easier for me to get to an end and yeah. an end product that is um, the best, you know, not, I don't want to discount the pro you know, discount the process um, because it's a computer. Who the fuck cares how I got to the end product? You know, I don't know. Maybe people are yeah. probably going to disagree with that. Some people will disagree with that, but I think it's um, I've just been more and more impressed each year that I've been familiar with digital stuff and but i'm not i mean i haven't used it a lot so we'll see i mean the time is going to come where i'll you know i'll find out do i really like it is it really practical for me to use and um because it's not cheap to get into that platform you know you're going to spend around a thousand bucks you know for the minimum yeah but a lot of guys seems like it would pay for itself in a few tattoos though right I think so. <laughs> I do. You yeah. know, I was look. I was looking at my, um, you know, 
charcoal hand side of my hand today thinking, God damn, I wish I had this Cintiq in my hand so I could just draw this without <laughs> having to worry about, you know, getting chalk or, you know, ink or charcoal or, you know, lead on my, on my face. <laughs> Cause I touched my, touched my drawing and then touched my face. That shit happens all the right. time to me, man. It's crazy. I don't like it. Yeah, doesn't sound like a bad idea, man. Yeah, um, but dude, your your paintings are are killer too. Um, do you find that you've been? You definitely have a certain style right now. All the portraits that I'm seeing on Instagram. Um, how did that? Has that evolved, or um, where are you at with your painting? What do you like doing these days? Uh, well, there's a lot of uh, I put a lot of just the quick studies on there, which mm-hmm. um, I'm more or less. Those are like, um, I kind of look at those as like training, you know, yeah. those little, they're like three, four hour, one session paintings where I'm just trying to uh, paint someone all la prima, just paint a portrait basically in like three or four hours. And uh, I'm doing those more or less as exercise to just get better at painting. And like I said, those aren't long drawn out paintings at all. The, the You know, the more long drawn out paintings I'll spend weeks or months on. But um, I, I feel it's important to train yourself in different ways to paint. Mm-hmm. It makes you a better overall painter. You know, rather if you just camp out on paintings and just do glazed, long, drawn-out paintings all the time, you'll never be able to do something quick and mm-hmm. on, on the spot, on you know, that moment. So uh, that's why I've been I've been focusing on that for the last few years, maybe the last three or four years, just trying to paint uh, the portrait a la prima just quickly. And uh, it's it's difficult, and it's a long process, and I'm still not really happy with where I am with it. And uh, I see myself as just kind of growing and you know evolving with that, and hopefully getting to where I want to be in the next few years. Mm-hmm. What part of that? It? What part of it are you working on? Is there a specific part of it that you are? Uh, it's uh, every, it's, and it's just so challenging, you know. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it's it's just very challenging. Every person that sits down in front of you is so different. And the lighting can be different because there's usually different places. Uh, so, and when you're trying to paint somebody like that, you're not only trying to capture them, but you're also trying to capture the atmosphere that they're in. Mm-hmm. So with that changing all the time, the light's always changing, um, the environment, it's just a constant onslaught of new challenges every time. Just a quick reminder, everybody, if you'll be in the Los Angeles area on Saturday, August 15th, please stop by the Black Rose Tavern and check out Tattoos Cure Cancers presents The Art of the Machine. Paintings and hand-built tattoo machines will be on display from artists like Dominic Taylor, Ron Earhart, and Ben Mack. Grab some TCC merchandise or just hang out and listen to Corey Miller and Steve Alba's band PowerFlex 5. Saturday, August 15th at the Black Rose Tavern in L.A., Tattoos Cure Cancer presents The Art of the Machine. Come out and enjoy a night of fun that will benefit St. Jude Children's Hospital. Thanks for listening, and please enjoy the rest of the show, everybody. Yeah, it's it's they they're really cool, man. I I really dig them. It, it's it's how do you find that they definitely helps transfer um that practice in those portraits? Does it transfer into your tattooing? Does it does it bleed over into the other parts of your your artwork? Well, I I think painting in general helps your tattooing. Um so yeah, any painting will help your tattooing. But yeah, doing those uh, life studies like that, just uh, I like to do a lot of figures and faces and mm-hmm. you know things like that. So just studying life, studying humans basically mm-hmm. helps me just reinforce what I'm seeing or what I need to see. You know, when I'm trying to draw a face or a nose or whatever it might be. Right. Yeah, definitely, man. That's awesome. I want to talk about this off-grid house, man. I've been telling myself for the last for the last like a half hour i was like i gotta get back to this off-grid house man because i heard Haley was also telling me that you do um like chickens and you do compost and you're really environmentally kind of sound and and trying to do low impact is that part of the 
being out and secluded in, in that uh, the house that you're building? Definitely, yeah, definitely. And my wife does the uh, the composting and the chickens and gardening and all that. But yeah, we uh, we try and uh, live a self-sustained life as much as we can. I mean, we still live in the city and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I do hunt for some of my meat, and uh, we do grow some of our own food. And uh, it's nice, man. It's nice knowing where your food comes from, where your meat came from. And, you know, when you crack an egg in the morning, uh, if you grew it in your backyard, it's a lot different than when you buy it at the store. It tastes a lot different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just things like that. And the off-grid house is just uh, basically, you know, uh, I'm not really a city dude, even though I live in the city, so... I need to get away a lot. I need to get into nature. and uh, So that's why I decided to build out there in the, basically in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So and I could get up to the nature and the trees and uh, get out of the city. Definitely, man. When you say off-grid, what kind of elements will you put in that house that just that it's out of the, it's out of, out of reach of, of technology and, and Wi-Fi and all that? Or you... Yeah, there's no utilities up there, man. There's no electricity. There's no plumbing. I mean, we had to. There's no city water or anything like that. I mean, we put in our own well, and uh, hmm. we we're eventually doing solar panels and all that. Um, That's but yeah, cool. it's just uh, completely on its own, you know, out there. And uh, even building it was quite challenging because. There's no, we're still actually building it, but uh, Mm -hmm. there's no utilities. So uh, everything has to be run through generators and, uh, you know, that's how we're building basically. That's awesome, man. That's, that's super cool uh, that, uh, you know, you'll have that access to that place, you know, and, and it is so low impact. I mean, I think that we have to, to really make, make an effort to, to do that as much as we can, you know, I try to, I try to do that as much as I live in the city and do the same shit, you know, try to recycle and compost and, and, uh, shit, man, we're up here in Northern California with no fucking water. You know, there's, there's towns that are being told that they, there was a town in California that, that had no water, you know, they, they were out of water, Yeah. you know, that's, that shit's scary, man. You know, it is. So, yeah, it is. Is that it's stuff? interesting that uh, California seems to be in a worse state than Arizona. I find that hard to believe. I mean, we've been in a drought for like a decade out here, but um, yeah, it's, it's scary, man. Yeah. What What do you think it's um What do you think it's going to take to pull us out of that kind of shit, man? Well, global consciousness, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. You know. I mean. I, I don't know. I, it, it sucks to say that it's going to take a scary moment to, to mm-hmm. pull everybody together and to, for us to pull our heads out of our asses and, uh, you know, um, start rationing water. I mean, water should be rationed, especially here in the Southwest. You know, there's out here where we are, water is not rationed at all. And it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, you know, I've got neighbors who just run their water all day. We've got lawns and you know, a lot wow. of people in my neighborhood have lawns, and we live in the desert in a drought. You know, why do you need a front lawn and a back <laughs> lawn and a swimming pool, you know? Right. It's crazy. It just doesn't make sense, and uh, there's there's a disconnect. People have a disconnect with with nature, really, and I think a lot of it is because people don't go into nature. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more, uh, any big plans to, to head into nature that are that are coming up? Or is it more of a daily thing for you these days that it's just you get out there in between the the daily grind of the shop? Yeah, I'm more like weekly, you know. I'll get out there a couple times a week, three, four times a week. I get out mm-hmm. and got to, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's hard in the summer when it's hot, though. You know, I got to <laughs> get up early. Yeah, what do you, oh, okay, you just do it super early or super late, huh? Yeah, I mean, right now out of here it's 110 in the middle of the day, so you can't be out in nature. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, nature man. Will, nature will hurt you. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, you got to go at like 5 in the morning, man, or 7 at night. Yeah, that's it's. you have to plan Make that shit trick. out. It's, 
Yeah, you do. <laughs> Crazy, man. Um, so how, how can people find out, if they want to look at your work, um, it's uh, Paolo Acuna on Instagram, P-A-O-L-O-A-C-U-N-A. Um, any, any other places, or what's the best way for the people to reach out to you if, you wanna, if they want to get work by you? Yeah, Instagram is great, um, or Facebook. I'm on Facebook, uh, and Divinity Tattoo awesome, website. Man. That's awesome, dude. I, Paulo, I appreciate it, man. It's so cool talking to you. I, I hope to uh, talk to you again and, and uh, hear more about the off-grid house that's, that's happening and being built. I love the idea with the new products and things that you're, that you're bringing to the industry and um, just the, the high caliber of artwork, man. It's, it's amazing, and I appreciate you coming on to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to do anything with Solon, so... Really appreciate everything you guys have done. You got it, brother. Thank you very much. Well, that was my talk with tattooer Paulo Acuna. Very talented guy. Had a great time. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Please show some love to my sponsors, Sullen Clothing, Kingpin Tattoo Supply, and Inky's Tattoo Products. I really appreciate everybody listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Sullen Radio Weekly. Thanks again. I'm Joe Swanson. Hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, at OG Joe Swanson, and enjoy the rest of your week. Keep hustling, everybody.